Hello, today is Friday, July 23rd, 2021, and welcome to Of Interest. My name is Al Deshno, known on Twitch as Christian Ninja, where every week from Monday to Thursday, we're working together to build an open, encouraging, and meaningful online family through gaming, real talk, and God's truth. This podcast is all about stimulating thought and starting conversations, but it's just one part of the things I'm up to, so you can find links to everything else, like my Twitch channel, free books, live stream gaming chats, YouTube videos, my private Discord, and more at artofthechristianninja.com. In this week's episode, I'm going to share an interesting idea about trusting big business and big brother, an interesting article about the difference between discernment and criticism, and continue our interesting study of Pilgrim's Progress by exploring the end of the sixth chapter where Christian tours the beautiful castle. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I am super glad you decided to listen. Just two quick announcements before I jump in. First, I've decided to stop streaming on Sundays. From now on, for at least the next little while, I'm going to stick to streaming Monday to Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for about four or five hours, and then I'll release the podcast at some point on the weekend. It's a decision made so that I can take better care of my physical self, my mental health, and give myself a little bit more time to work on side projects like the podcast and YouTube videos and TikTok videos. The only way to grow on Twitch is to grow somewhere that isn't Twitch. So if I'm going to do this right, I need to work on those things too. Please keep me in your prayers as I try to figure out this rhythm to make decent content. And second, I just want to take a minute to thank God for all the amazing things that have happened lately. I hit the wall pretty hard last week and actually missed two days of streaming because I was such a mess. But while I was offline, I was absolutely flooded with love and support from you guys. And then after reaching out a bit more to some other Christian streamers, I was just able to find literally dozens more believers who were all trying to impact Twitch in a Christian way and who came and embraced me with open arms and flooded me with even more loving messages. And we've even become some friends. Like, it was amazing. Now, of course, all those people aren't, they're not trained pastors, they're not theologians, they're not on-purpose missionaries like I am, but every single Christian streamer I had contact with had this heart for bringing light and positivity and hope and joy, God's presence to that very dark place that Twitch can be. I'm really humbled to be joining this community and and looking forward to building these relationships and seeing how we can grow and serve together. Now, I know that most of you listening aren't streamers, but can I say that whatever you're into, work, ministry, hobbies, interests, struggles, there's probably a group of believers online or in your area that are passionate about the same thing, working on the same thing. It is absolutely worth you googling what you're into, opening up to some folks, and seeing if you can find that niche community full of love and encouragement. It It's not supposed to replace your church, of course, but so many times we think that we're alone in our hobbies, weird in our interests, that no one really gets what we're all about. But I promise you, God has made some people like you who would love for you to be part of their community. So take some time, take the risk, open yourself up to seeing if there's a group out there for you. Because I've been absolutely blessed to find mine. Today's interesting idea has to do with how important trust is, but not in the way you think. On one of the most recent episodes of The Briefing by Albert Moeller, he was talking about the tragedy of that condominium collapse in Miami, and he talked a lot about trust. 
Not so much trust between people, but trust that we in North America have in businesses and the government. Now, those are not the first two things that leap to mind when you start talking about who you trust the most, but weirdly, they kind of should be at the top of the list. Now, why do I say that? Because without even thinking, we put our trust in them almost every moment of every day. Listen to what he said at the beginning of the episode. You can imagine the heartbreak and the anguish of family members looking at the building and also at the video and knowing of the human lives that were contained within that building, trusting the architecture, trusting that the floor beneath their feet would stay where it was and the roof above their head would stay where it was. And then near the end, he said this. We take so much for granted, and we are trained to do so by our own experience. One thing, by the way, we understand as a limitation of what it means to be human, as a part of human finitude, is that we can't be concerned about everything all the time, or we would fail to be operational. We have to be able to take certain things for granted. We have to be able to trust certain realities. If we can't trust the floor under our feet or the roof over our heads, basically operational life becomes impossible. That made me pause for a minute and think. See, these days, it's very fashionable to diss the government, say how corrupt big businesses are, talk smack about the prime minister or the president, Walmart, Coke, Nike, and just declare that we're all living in this 1984 Orwellian dystopia where Amazon and Facebook are just big brother with different hats. And definitely, there are some huge issues. But just take a minute to consider how, as Albert Muller was saying, That in North America, we have to trust certain realities because if we don't, life becomes basically impossible. Like when you go to work. It doesn't really occur to you that your car might explode on the way there, right? Now why? Well, because of manufacturing laws and safety testing. When you open up a bottle of pop or a bag of chips, you just kind of start pouring it into your mouth and munching away, right? You don't do a bunch of chemistry tests to see if it's poisonous or pour out all the chips on a plate and pick through them to see if there are rat droppings or nuts and bolts or whatever in there. Why? Because you trust that this giant company has quality control standards and that somehow somebody would shut them down if the chips were unsafe. It's the same thing when you walk up like any flight of stairs, go in any elevator, take medicine, or plug any device into a wall socket in your house. You don't even think of it. But imagine how much faith you just put into these huge companies, this nameless person that you will never meet, the faceless government agencies that made sure that floor would stay put, that you wouldn't plummet to your death in the elevator, that the medicine was done right, and that your cell phone isn't going to explode in your hand. Now, what's my point here? I guess it's just to talk about perspective and being thankful. As a society, we absolutely love complaining about big organizations. Small churches scoff at big churches. Small businesses shake their fists at the big chain stores. Citizens gather in droves to argue about whoever is in power that year, demonizing and criticizing everything they do. I just want to take a different tack for a minute and say that I think we should be at least a little bit thankful that these big, complicated, powerful engines of our modern world exist. It's the big churches that fund some of the best curriculums, the best books that everyone uses. It produces some of the most important theologians and missionaries for the world. It's the big businesses that can ship that critical piece of hardware that you need right away. Or create a network that allows food and the internet and security to be distributed in areas that could never afford it themselves. Your small business wouldn't even exist if you weren't buying tools and materials from the huge manufacturers. And while the government might get a lot of much-deserved grief for some of the things that we hear on the news, 
There are countless other workers and officials that keep almost everything else in our nation greased, moving, and safe. All I'm saying is to take a minute and be thankful for at least part of what they do. Except for Nestle. Nestle's just freaking evil. This week's interesting article is entitled, Being Discerning and Being Critical Are Not the Same Thing. And it's by Stephen Neal at buildingjerusalem.blog. And it really struck home with me, and I'll tell you why. In Christian circles, I have what they would call a critical spirit. Some might call it a type A perfectionist streak. Others might just call me a big grumpy jerk who takes things way too seriously. After a lot of years, I've learned to keep most of the negativity to myself, and I've tried to learn to cut myself some slack, but honestly, the little voice in my head keeps criticizing, saying that whatever I'm doing is not good enough, it doesn't look nice enough, it's too boring, too simple, not accurate enough, the lights are too bright, the PowerPoint isn't changing fast enough, the article or the talk I'm hearing isn't organized properly, the audio has a buzz, the transitions aren't smooth enough. If you have a critical spirit, then you know at least what it's like to have this brainwave radio station playing in your head. Now, I'm absolutely sure that everyone has had this from time to time, but we can all agree it's absolutely no fun. And most times, it's not true. Everyone around me is actually having a good time. Most people are enjoying the content or the talk or the whatever. And when I ask afterwards if people noticed all the mistakes I made, literally no one ever does. It's all in my head. Now, for a long while, I'd convinced myself that my negativity, my criticism, was a positive thing. That my higher standards were a desire to make things perfect for people and love them better and honor God more. And in a way, it kind of was, but it was mostly just distracting and destructive. So destructive that at times it was actually pretty soul-crushing for me. Especially when the thing I was trying to do I felt was for God and in his name and, and then that little voice starts going in my head and sometimes I get confused and I start to wonder if the little voice might be God and that he's disappointed in what I'm doing and that starts to make me anxious and depressed and I put more pressure on myself and I get sick and I get sad and then I crash. You feel guilty. None of that is God. That's my own sinful nature and the enemy of my soul doing everything he can to knock me off my game, disconnect me from God, and get me to stop pressing forward with what God called me to do. By the way, if any of this resonates with you, I would love to hear from you. Shoot me an email, shoot me a text, even better, join the Discord or come chat with me while I'm on stream. I honestly love hearing from you guys, and hearing from you is the highlight of my days. Anyway, back to the article. It begins with this helpful little paragraph about the difference between a discerning person and a critical one. He says this, Discernment is both the ability to tell the difference between right and wrong, and, as Spurgeon famously put it, the difference between right and nearly right. However you cut it, discernment is about telling things apart. It is concerned about knowing the difference between what is right, good, and true, and what is veering off course. Criticism is not so much concerned with the difference between right and wrong. Someone with a critical spirit is merely concerned with what is wrong. It's not about telling the difference between what is good, right, and true and what is not. It is more interested in pointing out everything that it perceives to be wrong, inaccurate, or not entirely on point. Unquote. That is so helpful and that is so accurate. 
The big difference between that godly discerning person who's an asset to the people around them and that critical person who just makes everyone miserable is what they see. The discerning person sees the good and the bad and calls out both. The critical person only sees the bad. That little voice inside my head, maybe in yours, never really gets around to saying, wow, this is actually a good job. This turned out nice. I think people will like that. Never gets there, does it? In the same way, you can tell if someone in your life or you yourself are a critical person by asking the question, do I point out the positive things in my life? Do I point out the positive things in other people at least as much as, if not more, than the negative stuff? He says something really profound near the end. He says that critical people aren't discerning because they never seem to be able to discern the truth. And that's what it comes down to, doesn't it? A critical person, a negative person, they're not actually seeing the truth. They think they are, but they're not. They call themselves realists, but it's not true. It's not true that the world is always broken and dirty and annoying. It's not true that the project you're working on or someone else is working on is bad or useless or that people are going to dislike it. It's not true that the gifts are unhelpful, your gifts are unhelpful, your personality is too flawed, their personality is too flawed, your offering is too small. That's not true. The truth is that the world has some wonderful things in it and amazing people. That thing you're working on does have wonderful potential to bring joy and help to people, even if it's not perfect, because maybe others will see it and they'll get inspired to take it a step further. The truth is that God created you with gifts and talents and abilities, and every time you use even 15% of what you're capable of, most of the people around you feel blessed and thankful that you did. The truth is that the things you call personality flaws, they're just inside-out gifts that not only set you apart and make you special, but give you the ability to connect with people no one else can. And that offering that is too small, it's not. Look at what Jesus did with the loaves and fishes, or Gideon's army, or what he did with a bunch of fishermen. God loves turning small offerings into world-shaking events. So let's just agree to listen to the truth and try to be discerning and really fight against that critical spirit. last part of these podcasts is an interesting study on the classic book Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Remember, there's a link to this book for free on my blog if you want to read along. This week, we're all the way at the end of chapter six, and Christian is taking a tour of the beautiful palace. All right, you know what? I'm just going to say it. The beautiful palace is church membership. It just, it just fits so perfectly. So Christian's had his big talk with the girls. He goes to bed. He wakes up. He's ready to get back on the road, but he's stopped. He's told that he shouldn't leave until they show him around and let him see some things. And so what does he see? Well, he sees what a person sees when they start getting more and more involved in their church. He sees what people see when they commit to coming to Sunday service regularly, joining a service team, coming to Sunday school or small group or whatever, connecting with the local missions, making an effort to actually get to know the people around them. He saw things about Jesus he'd never heard before. 
He was open up to history and his global context. He met powerful and amazing servants, and he heard inspirational stories that encouraged him. He learned how the Bible can be trusted, what prophecies were, how they came true, what is still to come. He learned how to connect to God more powerfully, spiritually defend himself, even conquer kingdoms in his name. He was given a vision of God, of heaven, of eternity that he never would have gotten by himself. And it energized and instructed and armed and equipped and trained him far more than he ever could have done on his own. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We all need to be an active part of a group of believers. You need a church. And if you can't find a church because there's no biblical ones in your area or you've got some kind of thing that's keeping you home, you still need to do whatever you can to open yourself up to gathering with other believers, even if it's just online. That's not ideal, but if that's the only way you can do it, then do it. One of the things that Jesus calls us is sheep. And there's a good reason for that. Sheep are no good without the rest of the herd. Sheep are no good at defending themselves from wolves. Sheep tend to wander off and need the shepherd and the sheepdogs and other sheep to help them not like fall down pits and get lost. We're the same way. Like it or not, you're the same way. You might think you're smart, sensitive, spiritual, wise, and strong enough that you don't need anybody. But let me ask you three questions. First, do you think you're wiser than Solomon? Because once Solomon was distanced from God's people, his life fell apart in a hurry. Second, do you think you're stronger than Samson? Because Samson's refusal to be with God's people cost him his life. Third, are you more sensitive, more spiritual than David? Because it was when David stayed home alone, not joining God's people where he was supposed to be, that all those dominoes in his life started to fall and he caused devastation for himself, his people, and all the family that would follow him. So unless you're wiser than Solomon, stronger than Samson, and more spiritual than David, you need a faith community. No excuses. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you heard something interesting. Remember, this podcast is just one part of what I'm up to. You can find links to everything like my free books, Twitch live stream, YouTube videos, podcast episodes, new videos, private Discord channel, everything on artofthechristianninja.com. I live stream on Twitch from Monday to Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at www.twitch.tv slash christianninja, X-T-I-A-N ninja. We do a lot of silly stuff, we do a lot of serious stuff, and we do everything in between, so come and join us. If you want to support this ministry, the first and best way is for you to share, share, share. The internet is full of noise, the social media algorithms hate Christian stuff, so if you don't share it, no one sees it. So please hit that like, subscribe, and share button. It helps so much. And if you want to go that extra mile, it would be amazing if you clicked the donation button on the website and gave a one-time or regular monthly gift. God called me to do this full-time, so if you love streamers, gamers, you appreciate what I'm doing, please show your love with a financial donation. It would really help right now. Thank you again, have a great week, and I'll talk to you on Monday.